Well, hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Tim, and this is So You Want to Be in Ministry. Uh, our whole goal here is to get you to the finish line of the race that God has put in front of you. Uh, we do that specifically through three focuses. So we want to educate you if you're thinking about jumping into ministry. So if you're jumping in, we want to be real. We want to be honest. We want to tell you what it really looks like so that you're not shocked uh, when you're in ministry. Uh, so we're trying to educate you what it really looks like. Uh, we also want to equip you uh, if you're in ministry. So we want to give you some tools. We want to give you some cheat codes. We want to give you some helps. We want to help you avoid the pitfalls, the failures, the mistakes that we may have, the wasted time that we may have had. Uh, we want to give you uh, the ability to navigate and avoid some of those things. And then uh, if you're thinking about jumping out, we want to encourage you. Uh, so it can be easy to get discouraged in ministry. And uh, so we want we want you to get to that finish line and we want to encourage you to be able to get there. And so if you're thinking about jumping out, we want to have a moment to encourage you. And also maybe you're considering I'm just at my finish line. And so we want to encourage you to press on, get to that finish line, finish strong. And we want to celebrate you uh, all the way and cheer you on all the way to that finish line. Today, uh, in accomplishing all of that, uh, we're going to interview Lonnie Tremblay. Very excited about getting to interview Lonnie. He was one of the first people I talked to about this when I was considering this idea. I was bouncing it off of him. Uh, he loved it and uh, definitely wanted to be a part of it. it definitely was very open to being interviewed. Uh, and so I'm very excited uh, to get to interview him today. He's an incredible man of God. He has learned a lot. He has a ton of wisdom. One of the unique things about him is that he retired last year at the age of 68 from youth ministry. So I don't know many, I mean, I know people that were older in youth ministry. You don't hear about many people retiring from youth ministry. That just is not common. And so I'm very excited to get to hear him because he got to he got to navigate it a little bit differently than some of us. His background's a little bit differently than some of us. So uh, very excited to share this with you. So let's jump in and get to get to know Lonnie a little bit here. Well, hey, Lonnie, so glad to have you here. Um, I, I want to say, as we're getting started here, you are, you've been a massive influence in my life, especially when I was a youth pastor. Uh, but even beyond that, uh, you've influenced my ministry, you've influenced my youth ministry. And uh, I, I may have said this even in the uh, bio introduction before we got into this, but uh, I think it's critical for people to understand you have a lot of wisdom in youth ministry. You retired last year at the age of 68 in youth ministry. So you you gave this a, uh, a very long runway, long highway. Uh, so I wanted to have you on because I think you have a lot of wisdom to share specifically even in this field. And I appreciate that, Tim. I appreciate your kind words. Uh, I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, some people have called me crazy when I left the corporate world to go into student ministry and all, but, uh, you know, I told them it was for the money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let, let's go there. Uh, how did you, what was the path that you took? What was your journey that ended you up in vocational ministry? Well, I, I came to the Lord in, in uh, mid seventies. Uh, really was not discipled or really connected to church because when I came to Jesus, I was not involved in church. You know, long story, but, you know, it took us years before we finally got involved in church and stuff. And I just felt the Lord leading me at that time to, to get involved. So uh, I really started at the church we were at. This is up near Chicago area, just trying everything the church had to offer to see what, what suited me. So I would work in ministries for, I'd say, I'll work here three months. And then we'll see what God has to say. And children's ministry was one month. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for me. You know, somebody's going to die. And I think it's me. And, <laughs> so that was not it. So, but, but I understood. I even preached in men's ministry, all kinds of things. I like men's ministry. But the one thing I knew, I knew for sure, was I would not be good at student ministry. So a situation occurred with the youth pastor there. Had to leave. Um parents had to step up so we all stepped up it was it was a really tough time um and everybody stepped back except me and that was about 28 30 years ago <laughs> <laughs> i discovered that for some weird strange reason god had wired me to work with students and i always call them students i don't call them teens i don't call them you know sub animals or anything else like that but but students because truthfully we're all students we're all students in life. 
And I've always tried to address them from that standpoint of, of respect and saying like, you know, you really are a student here as we walk together in life. You know, and I, I was very blessed to, over the Christmas time to see a lot of my former students come back and uh, back from college. Some have jobs, some have families and all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the, the beauties of ministry to hang in there. Uh, so for the first half of my ministry, uh, I say my ministry, like I own it. Uh, <laughs> I was I was uh, just a volunteer, you know, truthfully, I was just a volunteer. I worked in a corporate world and, and God just kept leading me, leading me to say, you need to leave. And uh, when I decided to leave, it took my wife a couple of years to get on board with that <laughs> because we were we were living well and uh, I knew we would not be. So uh, but, you know, the other thing is, you know, the Lord, the scriptures tell us that when you're married two become one. So my decision to leave ministry was never going to happen until God had impressed on her heart. We needed to leave. Yeah. And that's when I left. And that's when I came down here where I'm at currently still there, still at the church now as an elder and working in worship ministry, but, um, and for 15 years, you know, over 15 years working down here in student ministry. Yeah. Uh, and that's awesome. I appreciate that you're willing to wait on your wife. Uh, you, you're not, I'm sure not, you're not the only one listening to this that has done that, had to do that, will have to do that. Uh, it is a very common story. And sometimes our wives are waiting on us. <laughs> there is that too. There is that too. And, you know, and counseling situations and stuff, there's a, there's a few of those, you know, you try hard to keep a straight face when you're counseling somebody who says, you know, I think I need to leave my wife because God's calling me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Re one of us, this. One of, yeah. One of us is not reading scripture or is really stupid. One yeah. of the others. <laughs> uh, maybe both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't me. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously, I want to I want to get as much uh, wisdom from youth ministry uh, okay. as I can from you in our time. So, what overarching insights? If, so, uh, this podcast is all about educating people, thinking about jumping in, and then equipping and encouraging those that are already in or thinking about jumping out. And so, what are some insights that you would give to some individuals that are thinking about maybe? Maybe I they're they're walking through that process. You were walking through like maybe it's time to jump into youth ministry full time. My church has talked to me, or or mm -hmm. you know I'm thinking about going to Bible college or seminary uh, and pursuing this. What are some overarching insight you would give to those individuals? Um, my biggest thing I would say is to really weigh it out. Don't don't make a decision emotionally, mm -hmm. okay? But to sit back and and ask God, spend some time with the Lord, and prepare yourself. Uh, you know, one of the questions you had was what documents, what would I look at? What would I look back on and say, I wish I had that. And it wasn't written when I went to ministry, but it was Doug Fields, his first two years of student ministry. Okay. Oh my God. I, you know, I give that to people and say, you need to read this. Well, you know, and I find with a lot of young youth, youth pastors that I've worked with, they have their own ideas and they have this idea that, you know, it's a not invented here syndrome that says, <laughs> if I didn't come up with it, you know, because God has blessed me. Well, I'm just telling you right now, you read scriptures because that's what we should follow. But I highly recommend that book uh, to look at, to read, to become one with and walk with that. I think Doug is on an excellent job of looking at those first two years. I read the first two chapters and I went, where have you been? You know, my first four years were disaster. I was trying to all the whole, you know, let's entertain them and hopefully share scripture with them. And uh <laughs> That was not going well. Let's just put it that way. My daughter, who at that time was in, in the youth group, it took me aside and said, Dad, that's not what we need. We need scripture. Mm. We need the word of God. And you need to stop trying to be the entertainment guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Second second book I would yeah. I reckon for me personally yeah. was a book that really changed my whole uh picture of ministry and picture of who I was as a Christian was desiring God by John Piper. Mm. Um, you know, too often we kind of miss out on that love for God from the standpoint of just being obedient, but God's the scriptures are clear that if you love me, obey me. But when you love something, that obedience is not just, okay, I'm going to eat my greens because it's the right thing for me to do. It says, I'm going to serve you because I love you and I love who you are and I love the word. And Desiring God helped me to kind of develop that and become more. I actually studied it with some pastors from a different church. My wife and I, um, when we were looking at going into ministry, we were mentored in another church 
because uh, our church, frankly, didn't have anything like that. So we spent a, a good year with other pastors and their wives. And that's one of the things I would recommend to somebody looking to go to ministry. Uh, find a good place as an intern to work at to get someone to walk beside you. Don't take the leap, you know, uh, on your own. I mean, I don't, you know, one of the biggest challenges I had was I had no seminary background, no college background, all those kinds of things. But frankly, that didn't bother me because in my career and elsewhere, none of that bothered me. I just, <laughs> you just go out and work. You do what you need to do. You spend the time, you get into books, you study, you get around people who know what they're doing and you hang out with them. And finding good people that are good at the ministry is huge for you. It's like learning an instrument or playing basketball. You don't, you know, you don't go as a, as a high school student, you don't go play basketball with first graders. Yeah. You go pay, play basketball with college grade. So to raise the level, to raise your ability. And so I always try to find people that I could get beside and I didn't care what their age was. That, that's irregardless. You know, someone who God has blessed their age really doesn't matter. You just need to be about, uh, be around them. And everything they do doesn't necessarily reflect on you, but you can pick out of the things that match who God, how God's wired you. And I think that is huge. I used to teach teachers to teach, which is a a mouthful uh, in the corporate world. I said, look, you can't be me, but you can take parts of what I do that suits who you're, who you are, who your character is and learn to apply that to the same principles of leadership and things like that. So. Yeah, that's that's good advice, and and I agree on the internship side of things, or or finding a way to include yourself into other people. Would you say that there's a? Uh, I just want to. I I think I know what you're going to say with this, uh, but would you say that there's an age where it's like, uh, I'm too old to be an intern at this point? Uh, no, because <laughs> if you ain't learning, uh, you're turning up dirt somewhere. Okay, yeah. uh, I mean that's the truth. I'm, I'm already looking at things. So I'm so-called retired, but I'm looking at, okay, what can I be part of that's going to help me stretch? I've got some health things now I'm dealing with, but on the other side of that, do I want to take some college courses? Do I want, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to find around here that I can get involved with to, to be gospel oriented? You know, I don't know what that is right now. Truthfully, I don't know what that is. I have some ideas and I'm going to try them, but I'm going to try them for a little while. And then we'll see what happens and see where God has wired me at. I still have a great love for students. You're, really you, do. you're back into the three months. I'll try this for three months again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find out where God's wired me at. And, you know, maybe I'm not done with students right now. I don't know. But right now I needed to stop uh, because of the circumstances, you know, more than anything else. It wasn't God saying stop or, you know, it's just that life had piled up to a point where I had to take a break. And the best way, the best thing for my students was for me not to be there. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I wasn't I was at my best for them. And so someone else needed to come in at their best to be the best for them. Yeah. And that, you know, sometimes you got to learn how to take yourself out. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's huge. It's hard. It's difficult. And it's heartbreaking. But all those things said, you know, is it about you or is it about bringing the word of God and helping the Lord just em- empower and penetrate lost and dead lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's some wisdom. I mean, there's obvious wisdom there with, uh, removing yourself when it's time like that. Fine. How did, how did you just know it was time? Like in a generic way, as much as you're comfortable sharing, but sometimes, sometimes that's a hard thing for pastors to figure out is just, okay, I think it's time for someone else to step in here. Um, exhaustion was probably the big thing. Yeah, you can put up the front, and and I've been doing this long enough to do the things that looked on that was surface right, but my heart wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was doing it. I don't know. I don't want to say performance wise, but I guess that's true in some ways. It wasn't that I wasn't giving the word of God, or I wasn't impassioned about it. It's just that behind the scenes, it's like I was okay. I'm done. You, know? <laughs> uh, you were in o- operator mode. I was in yeah. operator mode, and I, I was not pursuing the things of God personally to be filled so I could, I could, you know, give out. So there's a certain point of you as a leader, you, you have to say, I need a break. And if no one will give it to me, I need to realize that God's always provided me. He's always had grace with me. Do what you need to do, you know, for your sake, for your family's sake, 
and all those kinds of things. I didn't want to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. Okay. Yeah. You know, and a lot of us do. And I probably did for the last few years, okay. honestly, you know, and yeah. what, how would you, uh, is, do you have any wisdom on how to avoid, uh, sacrificing your family? <laughs> you gotta learn to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you truly do have to learn. You, you need to know your boundaries and you need to say no. And, uh, I mean, some guys, their family is more important. I think it's a balance that sometimes you have to look at this. Sometimes you have to, the family, the, the ministry has to take some priority and then the family takes priority. And I think I lost balance in that, especially when we, when all the kids were out of the house and they were in ministries and stuff like this. Um, you could, you know, all that time period that you had, it's still important to have with them, but it's different. It's a different dynamic. And when, when they all left the house, it was like, Oh, I'm free to, go burn myself out. And, and mm. I, did. I did. And, uh, and did it for a lot of years and was great about it. And all the things that we did and everything. And my wife was great. She's fantastic. You know, she always gave me the freedom to go out there and, and be who I am, you know? And, uh, so now we're readjusting right now. We're just readjusting. And I, and yeah. I think you get to get to the point where what you do is not, I don't want to say it's not spiritual, but it's not spiritually fulfilling for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise you're you're doing the right things. People come into the Lord, which is a great reflection on the power of the gospel, not who you are. <laughs> Praise God for that. That yeah. it isn't a you, you know, <laughs> your greatness and how you share it or whatever. Uh, or you know, <laughs> there'd be a lot of people that would never know Jesus through the ministry. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to you have to have that center point that says I'm not walking with the Lord the way I should be, and it's time to do something about it. Whether it's just take a sabbatical or, you know, or like I did, you know, radical. I mean, for the last two years, I've been essentially doing two full-time jobs and doing neither one to a level I thought was the way it should be with honoring the Lord truthfully. All right. Um, So you've told me relationships are critical to uh, ministry um, what are some key factors in building relationships, maintaining relationships? So it could be on a student level, could be parents, could be senior pastor, could be local community. What are, okay. how do you do some of that? I want to read you something from one of the documents I sent you, a student ministry guide, Okay. which I put together. And this is one of the, uh, one of the key balance points. And it, it's, uh, I don't know what page it's on, page seven. And right in the middle of the page, it says this. And, and believe it or not, I actually wrote this. Discipline without relationship leads to resentment. Relationship without discipline leads to chaos. So I'll say that again. Discipline without relationship leads to resentment. And relationship without discipline leads to chaos. Okay. So I'm a big believer that um, you have to have that relationship with students. At the same time, you, you balance out the gospel with that. So all that, all in that relationship, you've got to be Jesus in their sight. And I, I see a lot of guys that are not setting a level above the students. They want to be part of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm fortunate actually at my age where I don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the desire to be cool was gone a long time ago. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and, and I really, I, it, it's for me, God has blessed me at an older age to do this. Because I don't have all the hangups the young guys have from the standpoint that I have to, you know, maintain my dignity and my coolness and all that kind of stuff, you know. Instead, I can I can be their friend and discussions with. I just had lunch with a young man who was part of our ministry who's going to Moody right now, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, you know, he's killing it up there. He's witnessing. He wants to go into ministry. Uh, we had a great talk at lunchtime. I just got back from, so I'm pretty fired up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have the relationship together. So how do I build those? Uh, you build those one crack at a time, so to speak. Meaning I always try to find opportunities to meet with students when they're in youth group, when they're away from youth group. I don't go to all their events and stuff like that, because frankly, when you have 40 or 50 students, you can't. Yep. I'll go to the ones I'm invited to. Okay. You know, you know somebody, I, I tell them, so if you want me to be there, you invite me, I'll be there. And so 
you know, it's actually a lot less, <laughs> thank <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but, you know, that's is true with parents. Parents would never come into the building, so I'd go out to the parking lot at the end, and I'd just go talk to them, introduce myself, and, you know, say hi, appreciate your student, talk to them a little bit. But I always try to find a way to reach that student so that when I talk to them about discipline, you know, they're getting out of line. And, you know, frankly, when you build a culture of discipline, it builds on itself from there because the students will take care of it. You know, somebody new coming in, they start cutting up and the other students will look at them and go, Hey, we don't do that here. <laughs> oh, Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. And, and so that culture has to be built though. Mm-hmm. It has to be built. You have to set, set, this is the, this is the direction we're going. Here are the lines, the guidelines. And frankly, we all want those. We want to know where they are. We do. Because we live better within the guidelines. It's when we get off the road that we don't know what to do now. And the students need that. And they need it in a way where they know they're cared for. You know, so if I'm disciplining a student, if it's something bad, we'll step aside and I'll talk to them. And the first thing I'll ask them is, have I done something wrong Mm. that's caused your behavior? Is the most powerful things you could say to a student because you have taken whatever's going on with them, you've dumped it on you, and now they're totally confused. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and and it leads to a great conversation. And most of the time, I've never had to do it more than once. Mm-hmm. I've never, I can't remember ever doing it twice, even with those that were connected with gangs and things like that when I was up in Chicago. Because what I did was I respected them, and I wanted to know. You know, how do we deepen our relationship? Now, does this work all the time? No, when you got 40, 50 students, but you do the best you can with it. And the other part is, is that your leaders adopt the same principle. So it's not just you, you know, and my leaders, I always just like, this is OJT. Watch what I do, do do that. So I hate meetings. Meetings are, you know, there's no donuts, why are we here, okay? (laughs) Because uh, most meetings are useless, could have been done in an email. Yeah, you know, even training stuff. If you do on-the-job training and say, "Look, here's a, here's one of my leaders that's already trained. I want you to be their partner for the next month or so and hang out with students when we go to small groups." That's how we'll train you up. And that relationship thing, the students or the leaders will come back to me and say, "Hey, you know, little Mary over here, she's having trouble or whatever." I'll go over and ask them. Say, "Hey, can I pray for you?" You know, and you begin to build that trust and respect for them, even though it's very difficult sometimes with middle schoolers. <laughs> you got to check to see if the hormones are hitting or not. Okay, are the eyes moving? Or no? Okay, we're good. Okay, but uh, but I think that's huge. That leads you to when you ask them, "Hey, look, I really need you to pay attention." They're there. Yeah. They're there. Now, new people coming in will generally fold right into the to what we're doing. They just generally do. And there are those who will be there one time. That's why I'm always going to share the gospel every time we meet. In some form or another, they will always hear the gospel, especially when there's somebody new there. They're going to hear the gospel as part of what we meet. So that relationship's important because the relationship leads to the discipline, and that leads to us being together as a group, as a, as a youth group, and, and working together, working in, in all in the same direction and all. And yeah, it's ugly. Okay, ministry's messy. Let's just be honest. Okay. Yep, very you messy. Know, so, somebody listen to this and goes, well, I'll just go out and, you know, do this. And there's no one size fits all. Uh, it took me years to learn this and to understand it. And, and also to understand that not everybody's going to be on board. <laughs> you know, I've had leaders come in, work for a month, saying, I can't do this no more. And I said, that's okay. I've done the same thing, you know? And students that will come in for two or three weeks and go, well, this is this is just too much. I just can't, you know, I don't, I don't see how it's too much. But, you know, you do it for school all day long. Why can't you be involved when we're actually asking you to talk and ask and value your opinion? And, you know, you can say whatever you like and we'll engage you on it. OK, you can be graciously wrong here and it's fine. Yeah. And I think that environment that people can be wrong. is a good environment. You can make mistakes here. It's OK. You know, drop your ego at the door. It's okay to, to, you know, don't tell me what you think I want. Tell me what you think. Tell me really what you think. Mm. I'll try not to laugh. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I think 
that that's how I've always built relationships, mission trips. Uh, let's go clean someone's yard. And when I first started uh, up north in Chicago, we probably had six or seven kids. Uh, this is a church with probably 125. By the end of the time there, we were running 50, 60 students, okay, on a regular basis. And we started with just, hey, get in the car. Uh, here's a, here's a, here's a lesson. Read that while I'm driving. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it and we'll go play miniature golf. Okay. And that built up the relationship with those particular students. They became my leaders in the youth group in a couple of years. Um, I think sometimes we try to formalize things too much. You know, ministry is messy. Just accept the mess and go pick up what you can. You know, the first time coming to Columbia here, there was like 48 students. Within two weeks, I was down to 10. <laughs> they, they, they wanted to see the monkey dance. You know, this monkey don't dance. <laughs> and so I just said, you know, I was, my pastor asked me, are you concerned? And I said, no, it takes three to five years to change a culture. I agree with that. You know, and if you're, if you're not, you've got to be willing to give me that time frame. Because when you do, we'll build a culture here of, of discipling and building students. And one year, it's really great. Then all the seniors leave. And then we rebuild again. And you look at sports in the same way. You know, mm-hmm. it's a pipeline kind of effect. And you've got to be aware of that because you're having a grand time with all these fantastic seniors that are coming up. I graduated 22. And it was like, ah, there's no leadership behind it, you know. And uh well, in that case, for when I graduated 22 seniors, there was leadership behind it. We never lost a step. But the first few years was kind of rough because you'd graduate, you know, and there wasn't any any follow up because we hadn't developed a culture yet. Yeah. So I don't know if that's helpful or. Yeah, you know. oh, very helpful. Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't think we think long term enough for that, that you've got to build that culture. Absolutely. I agree with that uh, on building your culture. I, I did have a pastor tell me at one point. He's like, be careful because you can tear it down. Just make sure you know how to build it back up. So with that, mm-hmm. you you came in, you were willing to go 48 to 10 because you had a plan on building it back up with a specific right. culture. Talk a little bit about that culture that you wanted to build back up. Um, that, you know, I, I sent you a paper called Philosophy of Ministry. We And and we will, I'll make sure that I get that in out there for the links and stuff where people have access to that. Yeah, part, part of this was... Where are you going? What is the end result of your ministry? Okay. Uh, Because if you don't know what the end is, you don't know what the beginning is. Um, I mean, I I like to get deep into theology and everything else like that, but you can't do that all at once. Yeah. Okay. You've got to walk baby steps. And so what I, what I learned to do was this week, we'll talk about this world topic from a biblical perspective. Next week, we're going to talk about the characteristics of God, okay? And and I would, you know, punch back and forth, so to speak, okay. with you know little jabs, and then theology was the hit, okay? Mm-hmm. So where I got them to point to start thinking theological, and then we'll back it up with, let's look at the character of God. Well, what does that mean, Okay. Let's look at spiritual gifts. Let's look at, and we will go down through these things. What is the power of the gospel? What, what is, you know, the, the great disciplines of the, of, of the Lord. But, you know, a lot of times they're not ready for it. And this is why a lot of times I wrote my own stuff. The reason I wrote my own stuff is because you'll, you'll get someone else's six week package or something like that. And you'll go to week four and the students are going crazy because something's happened in the school that needs to be addressed. And, and I just, so if I, I got somebody else's stuff, what I used to do was I would just pick things out of it, yep. you know, and then I would use those as, you know, tools on my tool belt that, that I would do. But I think the key is, is, is what you said. I'm a chess player. Okay. I try to think four or five moves down the road and the philosophy of ministry is what do I want that student to look like when he leaves this ministry? Yep. Now, does that mean I'm hundred percent effective? Of course not. That's silly. It's just crazy land. But I have given out, you know, uh, Wayne Grudem's um, book on theology and everything else like that to a lot of my seniors because they desired it. Mm -hmm. Okay. They desired the book and uh, because they wanted to go deeper and, and that ebbs and flows. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have students in there. I mean, let's, 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 let's face it in scripture. Not everybody's going to be a Paul, Right. 
Not everybody is going to be the disciples because you've got to have folks that just, there's nothing wrong with, they love Jesus. They marry someone who loves Jesus. and They raise a family who loves Jesus. Yep. That's a good thing. Yep. That will influence the world right there. So the idea that everybody I raise is going to be some huge going to church is, is successful. I don't see it that way. What I see is I want them to be disciples of Christ, owning their own faith and walking out going, when I go to college or I go into here, I'm not looking at it as, oh my gosh, I've escaped in the world, but wow, here's, here is my place of ministry to work. Um, this, you know? this is my next place to influence people with the gospel. Yeah. I say all the time, you, you know, the most people you know right now is in school and then you go to college or wherever and that will get smaller and then you'll go to work and then it'll get smaller from there. So if you need a place to practice, this is the place to do it. Yeah. This is the place to make mistakes. This is the place to hone who you are as a Christian. Go out there and get your nose bloodied, so to speak. You know, share the gospel and everybody laugh at you. But we've always found in that too. And we celebrate that, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. Every youth group, we did a thing called God Stories. And we would talk about, you know, who we talked to that week. And sometimes it went well, sometimes it went poorly. We celebrate both. Because both are God in action. We had one uh, family that got really got on one of our students who was doing a, 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 a food raiser for, for the ministry. And they just, you know, they just jumped her. This is the adults. Mm-hmm. So we started praying for them. Uh, their kid rode the bus with these, these girls. Okay. We started praying for him. Well, guess what? Dad's in church now. <laughs> years. Okay. He says he made a huge mistake being after my girls. You know, we got a whole youth group praying for you right now. Yeah. You know, so um, I'll even speak ahead. to, I'll speak to that too. Um, cause this just happened to me. So this is just, this isn't like students, it's adults too. And it's, it is, it absolutely, there's nothing different here yeah. except at, at a different level, so to speak. Yeah. It's pastors too, where, uh, so yesterday, uh, it was Sunday, we had our services and I had an opportunity for a gospel conversation with someone, got to share the gospel with them, called them the wrong name, uh, the whole time, uh, realized it later and felt awful that I literally called them the wrong name the whole time. And had to, I Facebook message him and totally apologize. Like, I don't know where my head was, but I, you know, obviously I'm an idiot. Uh, and they're like, that's okay. Like, no big deal. And uh, today I got to share the gospel with, with a student that I've been praying for for months and they accepted the, uh, the, and they accepted Christ uh, this morning. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so you're on a high. I'm also on a high uh, from the same thing. So, uh, yeah. I, I think one of the most important things I learned about the gospel is we had a young man who, he went with everywhere with us. He did everything there was was to do, and he shared the gospel regularly. And other students were coming to the Lord. But lo and behold, college came, and uh, he didn't see church for four years. His his, yeah. his comment was, uh, "I set my alarm for church on the first weekend, and when it went off, I turned it off, and I didn't op- turn it on again for four years." And then uh, you know, one of our guys was talking to him. He says, "We're just not saved, is what your problem is." <laughs> And he was driving down the road and God just convicted him. He pulled over and gave his life to Christ. Wow. So, you know, he was a church kid. Yep. He was doing all the right things. Okay. He was, he was sharing the gospel and these other students are truly come to Jesus. I know some of them are married, got three kids and stuff. And they are, they love the Lord. They're bringing their kids up in the Lord. They, they came to faith through an unbeliever. So, I mean, the gospel's powerful. Yep. The gospel's powerful. If that doesn't show that it's not about the person sharing it, it is about the gospel itself. <laughs> oh, praise God. Yeah. You know? Um, Let's see. Let me look through a couple of my questions here. Sure. Uh, what about uh, how, so when you're working with youth, you generally have a senior lead pastor over you uh, that you're, you're trying to manage discipling students, working with parents and also navigating wherever the senior pastor is trying to go with the overall church. Mm-hmm. How do you do that in a way where you're trying to be respectful of his position, uh, as well as um, getting the students where they need to go? He's he's trying to manage the overall church and what they're thinking about youth ministry while you're trying to navigate. <laughs> I'm trying to disciple students. Yeah, 
That's a tough one, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> you, and I, and, you know, I've had these conversations before. Yeah, and okay. you, you and I are not going to be the only two that, that have had to navigate that. No, that's a fact. I think I'm going to stay on the positive side here. Okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, because how do you make all this thing work? Here's Here's the thing. The church has to treat students like they are brothers and sisters in Christ and not children. Amen. Okay. Because okay? too often the church says, oh, you know, and I won't do this. Let's have a youth night. As soon as I got there, I said, no. So what do you mean? No, they should be part of everything that's going on here. And our church was very accepting of that. Cool. Very accepting of that. Most of the worship people up there, half of them are, are our, our students or used to be our students. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the worship team we started, our students work in uh, taking care of kids. They work in all different parts. Uh, they are welcome to anything that we do. Uh, our, our voting is down is there's no age for voting okay. in the church in our, they, they put an age in, we took it out because if you're saved, you're saved, you're a voting member. Hello. You know, you got baptized. <laughs> you don't wait till you're 25. So we have students that are on missions committee. We have students on finance. I mean, we've had students in all different places and stuff like this. And um, I think that's how you hold your church together for years to come. Because if you just say you're a kid and you won't be anything, go away to college and then come back as an adult, they're not coming back. Nope. They have no vested interest to come back. You told me they to just, go away. Yeah, you told me to go away. You told me I couldn't be part of the church until I grew up. Well, guess what? You know, so including them. And here's the other thing, which is which is scriptural, too. How do you get the folks that are experienced walking with Jesus connected with the students? Mm -hmm. I've tried for years to get something like going mentoring program. And again, some have worked. Some have not on individuals. They've worked. Okay, I didn't try to do as a program. I tried to be organic about it. Said, well, what's your success? Well, you got 50 students. How many are being discipled by somebody older? I said four. <laughs> well, is that success? Well, I only have four adults who are willing to do it. I have a lot of students. Some are discipling each other. Yeah. Okay. Not necessarily the best, but they're willing. The adults are not willing. So that is, again, a cultural change that needs to occur. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to fix that, but now that I'm getting involved in men's ministry, I'll be putting some pressure in those areas. Yeah. Because every, everybody thinks, you know, I don't want to work with students. Ooh, they're ugly. Eh, you know, look at all the stuff they deal with and everything else like that. And I'm like, it wasn't any more different than when you were a you know, student. Yep. Stop the nonsense and get involved. And you'll you'll find some young man that wants to go fishing with you, that wants to hear your stories, that wants to be mentored. He just doesn't know it right now. Yes, sometimes that is the key. Is they just don't know it, and they figure it out pretty. They do figure it out pretty quickly. Usually, it doesn't take very long. Like one, no, one outing, one conversation, one. I went to your basketball game. Like it yeah. doesn't take long. It doesn't take long, and it, the idea is, is first of all, if the adult put the commitment in. Okay, mm-hmm. because if they will reach out, they will get a response. I, you know, I have never seen it not work from that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to step into it. They do. And it's huge. It's huge to, to see that happen. The church begin to become the church instead of we got this group, this group, and this group, and this group. The age thing, everybody's busted up on ages, which is unbiblical. Mm. Okay? It's unbiblical. I'm sorry, but it's unbiblical to be busted up like that. How can you have as iron sharpens iron when you got, you know, the same piece of iron that are both dull to sharpen each other? It just doesn't, you know... It'd be a lot quicker if you had one that was sharp enough to sharpen the other guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I did some things called iron sharpens iron. It's at a camp and it went really well for several years, but then it got to the point where, Oh, we've done that before. Mm. Like stop that. Yeah. Okay. We need to keep doing things like that. And several guys came up to me this year and said, when are we going to do that again? And I went, well, (laughs) I'll light that fire, you know, Yeah. that'll be a good thing. Because we had 40 or 50 uh, men and students there together, worshiping together, studying scripture together, etc. This is not about discipleship, by the way. Okay, this is about relationship, which leads to discipleship. Yes. Okay, quite often we try to make it a program 
okay? And we get a, our spreadsheet out and who we're going to hook to. And, oh, my gosh, please, in the name of Jesus, stop that. Yeah. And start making it about relationship. You know, Tom over here, Tom's a great guy, loves to hunt and fish. Well, here's Jake over here in student ministry. He loves to hunt and fish. Let's, once you, Tom, why don't you take Jake out to lunch? Yeah. Or even better, take him fishing. I don't know how many students I've taken fishing. You know, yeah, they break my gear, they lose my stuff. You know, I'm spending all day hook, you know, unstraightening out lines and everything else like that. But they remember those times. Yep. Because no one else is doing it. Yep. And, you know, once in a while we catch fish. <laughs> so, uh, once in a while we catch fishers of men uh, through that too. Uh, both, both important. That's an interesting dynamic too. Uh, the, the goal is discipleship, but it's got to start with relationship. Like it, it's easy to miss that dot and try to yeah. connect the, the second dot, but you got to go to num dot number one before you can get to dot number two. That's really good. I think you, I, and I think you need to, to press on that too. Okay. You need to press on that relationship piece too. I mean, Jesus did. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's go back to the model. Okay. They walked with him. They talked with him. They ate with him. He sent them out. He, he critiqued them. Okay. He encouraged them. He helped them. You know, when do we do that? We have a program. You know, here's discipleship. Throw it out the door. <laughs> Everybody sign up. Well, I get enough of that in the corporate world. Right? You know, we do mission statements. And two weeks later, we don't care about them no more. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. And it's true in the church, too. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting in people's stuff now. Yeah, you are. That's okay. Uh, I'll tell you, on an education level, the people thinking about jumping in, these are some of the things that you, they need to be processing it. And, and uh, this is why um, when you're getting ready to jump in, you don't need to be the lone wolf. You need to be somebody that is looking for older men and women that have been there, Absolutely. done that, and, yep. and can help you navigate – frankly, help you navigate not wasting your time on stuff that we've already figured out doesn't work anyway. So Yeah, because, you know, the church is cyclic from the standpoint, well, here, back in the 70s, we did this, so let's try it again. So let's do, you know, nothing beats the one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. But everybody tries to do something to get to the masses. Yep. And then the problem is masses don't care. Yeah, I, I think that's something we missed too. This is getting a little bit off topic, but uh, in when you're talking about revival, revival doesn't happen in the masses. It happens in the few. It happens in the ones, and right. and those ones keep adding up. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, we have a massive revival. But it wasn't the masses. It was the ones. And, and it started with the young. Yeah, almost always. Yeah, it always started with the students that that didn't have the egos, didn't have the you know who we've created ourselves to be, but are going like. And rip through that and let's just love jesus yeah you know and and not be hung up on on our titles and all those kinds of things and stuff uh i always tell my students don't introduce me as, as a pastor <laughs> <laughs> let's shut the conversation down quickly <laughs> yeah yeah how do you have them introduce you uh as a teacher okay this is one of my teachers simple as that okay you know, would would mentor like if they if they did introduce you that way, would that shut down the yeah. conversation or open it up? Yeah, most people don't understand the word mentor. I agree with that, but yeah, it would be a sign. But it may open the conversation. It's like, yeah. like now I don't, you know, I told them don't call yourself a Christian anymore. Mm. Call yourself a Christ follower. Okay, it opens the conversation. Okay, you know, it opens the conversation up uh, because the word Christian now, I mean, our culture is just. You know, yeah. throwing that in the trash can or or our our own has polluted it so much with liberalism that the word has little to no meaning yeah i, I would say that uh i would say the church has made it muddy to yeah the, to the point where it's it's like what is that and so i yeah. i agree follower of jesus follower of christ um Let's go with uh, what's what's one thing that you would uh, want to make sure that new ministry personnel understand about church life or church ministry. It's messy. Yeah. Okay. It is not sequential. 
I'm going to go from point A to point B to point C to point D, only on paper. Yeah. Um, when I was in the military, they say everything, once the first shot's fired, everything changes. Yep. Uh, that is true for ministry also. That's why the plans that you have need to be loose. I always t- the parents, when I'm talking to parents, it's my, my students being this, my students being that. Okay, I said, hang on to God tightly, hang on to your student loosely. Hang on to your ministry loosely because I had so many really good leaders that left for jobs or for things like that. And um, people coming in, people going out, that is part of what ministry is. So you got to understand it's messy. And sometimes you're, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, what can we do next? But God's got this. How did, so in that thought process, when you were thinking through like a calendar year, for mm-hmm. uh, school or whatever, you obviously have to kind of plug some things in, but in that sure. you also have to be flexible. How did you manage that? Um, well, sometimes I cancel things. Okay. You know, it's just pretty simple. I mean, it's not written in stone. I mean, some people think it is. It's, oh my gosh, we're going to cancel something. So, I mean, if you got a good ministry going. Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't need other stuff. Truthfully. Yep. Because this stuff requires a lot of planning, a lot of resources, a lot of people involved. And then everybody's done with it. It's going like, whew, you know, let's take a rest now. Well, then sometimes you, sometimes those kinds of things, you lose the impetus of, of what you're establishing. You know, like some some organizations, they don't meet in, in the summer. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the key time. <laughs> that is, to me, I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't get it. Okay. But that's how I see it because this is a life. This is not school or, you know, or something like that where, okay, we're going to end now. Well, just because the secular world ends, I don't care. Do you, it always gave me more time to spend with students. Yeah. So I was going to say that on the relationship level, then in the summer, did you switch anything up to provide more opportunity for relationship rather than just your weekly time together or, or something along that lines? Yeah, we did some things like on Sunday nights and stuff, you know, cook hot dogs and stuff, get around a bonfire and uh, you know, not necessarily in the summer, it's too hot, but, <laughs> but you know, we'd have jello wars. We'd have stuff. I mean, we, we do things like that. Not a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. But enough. Yep. I always want students to be hungry for those things not to be satisfied, mm. you know, like lock-ins. I don't do lock-ins. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to this church and there's going to be a lock-in. So it's great. I'm leaving at 11. <laughs> and I would tell the parents I'm leaving at 11. I'm not staying overnight. Yeah. So if you want your students to stay there, they'll be staying with the other groups. And they're like, no, they're coming back with you or I'll come get them. It's okay. Because nothing good happens past midnight. No. When I used to do them, I lost leaders. I had student fights. Uh, it broke their sleep cycle, so you sent monsters home and you busted things up. They didn't show up the next on just on and on. I saw no value, absolutely no value. Yep. All right. Um, no opinion about that. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. I did it. Oh man, I did lockins maybe for the first four or five years I was in youth ministry, and then I was like, okay, I'm done. Uh, yeah. So a bunch, a bunch of. Uh, bunch of students of different uh uh what do i want to say <laughs> different species all gathered together to play sardines uh, yeah not a good idea yeah in the dark i i see no no no, <laughs> no. you know <laughs> um what do you so you may have already talked about this because you did mention it to some level. what's one tool that you believed helped you the most and say that book again from doug fields because that was that was uh, important your, your first two years of student ministry by doug fields yeah okay and I, i'll try you to leave this title it's close to that okay yeah i'll and i'll i'll get a link out there and cool. make sure people know that i have not read that shockingly like i i'm surprised i haven't read that but i will be reading that uh, i read it and made me mad <laughs> I had to learn all this stuff the hard way. I got yeah. scars. I'm probably, <laughs> yeah, retroactively, I may be feeling the same way. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's like, where were you? Of course, you know, I've been around in student ministry longer than Doug, so. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Like, hey, why didn't you start before me? <laughs> exactly, like uh, Dare to Share, which is always great with yeah. with Greg Steer. You know, Greg was up there telling things and give, he says, wait a minute, I've been saying that for years. Yeah. The same examples and stuff. And, you know, it was really funny because I've been around longer than him. So <laughs> I remember, well, so I, I would, I was part of Greg and Dare to Share for a long time too. And mm-hmm. I still, I still follow him and listen to him. I'll read anything he puts out, but oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, with that though i remember the one year we were we were at dave and busters over in st louis for one of their like rally things where they were you know promoting what was coming up yeah i think i was there with you probably and i remember the moment that a lot of it clicked where he had been saying it every year and it clicked for me where i was talking to him i was like wait a minute and i asked him a question he's like yeah and i think he could see uh this guy just got it and I, and it's like, I was just standing there and he's like, well, I got to go over here. And I just stood there for a long time, just going, holy cow, I just got this. <laughs> yeah. I was two or three years into it. Um, okay. What about encouragement? What are, what are some of the, what are some of the biggest reasons you kept going when it got really hard? And I know you didn't share all those stories, but I know some of the stories that you've had where it was hard. Uh, what kept yeah. you going? Uh, my calling to the Lord was the big one is, 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 this is a hard place. Um, I've always taught the students too. I said, when you're in the desert, you don't stop. Okay. You get your eyes on Jesus and you keep, take your cross and follow him. I don't care how you feel. Right. You still have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. The other part is, is God always provided somebody to, you know, when you've been in, in ministry for years, there's folks out there that, you think you did nothing with. They didn't get it. Uh, they were there to have fun. They were there to whatever. And, you know, at, at, the, at the, the times where I was going, do I really do this? I'd get a message. I'd get an email, a text message, a phone call, Facebook, whatever it was, just a message where somebody said, thank you. I just want you to know, you know, I've come to know Christ as Lord. Uh, I remember one particular guy that we witnessed to, and it was uh, probably the most challenging witness time I've ever thought. I thought, you know, I might get injured in this. And uh, about 10 years later, after I'd been here, he he called me on the phone and I recognized the voice immediately, even though I didn't know him very well, because he had a voice that you recognize. He told me, he says, you know who this is? And I said, this is, this is who you are. He says, guess what? I said, you got saved, didn't you? He said, yes, I did. So mm. and I said, guess what else? I said, you're working at student ministry. He said, I am. So I called you up with some help. <laughs> <laughs> please help me. Yeah, please help me. So how do I deal with students that were like me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pray, friend, pray. Yeah. Uh, but I think a part of it too is is to when you're when you're really had some hard challenges and stuff like that. Are you still doing the things that God has called you to do? It's a real simple question, you know, and if you are, well, then plow on brother, you know, don't, don't start, you know, plow the road straight. Don't keep turning around and walking away because it's hard going Uh, because God, you know, Ephesians 2.10, he has created good things for us, you know, for those of us to love the Lord, there's, there's good things out there. And, uh, God intended for us to have them, but he will not experience them if you don't stay plowing the road straight. Um, One thing you you brought up uh, when you're in the wilderness, uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. And one thing that I tell people is uh, you need to look, you need to look or you need to be an oasis for people. Like you need Mm -hmm. to be a place of rest or you need to find someone who is a place of rest for you. And and they should be focused on Jesus. That's why they're a place of rest. Uh, But in that, that oasis isn't the destination. That's just the resting place. The no, destination right. is Jesus. And so find the places of rest that can point you to the destination. Here's the, uh, here's the challenge I've always had. And, and my wife has had this too. Every time we find someone who, you know, okay, this is a place where I can rest, have a discussion, I end up being their pastor. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that right now. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, uh, there's there's a person in town here who was a member of our church is not anymore who has been praying for me for a long time and he contacts me about uh, 
every quarter or so and we go out to lunch and we just talk, you know, and he's, he's always been in my corner. He's always been an encouragement to me and uh, he knows my struggles and, and everything else like that. And, uh, you know, I had no idea he was doing this. Uh, he left the church. I kind of lost track of him and he just called me up one day and just told me, he said, I pray for you and your wife every day. Mm. It's like, whoo, you know, those are the things that are going on that you just don't know about. Uh, you touched on prayer. Prayer is, prayer is critical. I'm horrible at it. <laughs> Confession time. Yeah. Of, of all the things that God has blessed me with, my discipline in prayer is, it really is. And it's important. Yeah. I think there's more people praying to hold me up, like Moses, you know. <laughs> um, and then sometimes, you know, I'm praying for them. I'm just in a full confession here. And it is key. It is the power that supports the ministry. And I've been privileged to have a lot of people around me doing it. And uh, I mean, I do, but not to the standpoint of this is my prayer time, but I'm, I talk to the Lord regularly, but it's not in the, in the format of saying, you know, like one would say. So, yeah, but I'm unusual from the standpoint anyway, I don't have all the structures that, you know, everyone else has and going through the, training and things, but, you know, not that that matters. I don't think God cares. I always go back to the thief on the cross, you know, he didn't bring a lot to the table. <laughs> he said, remember me. Jesus said, you'll be in paradise with me. It's like, you know, good enough. Who have been some of the uh, influencers or mentors or, or key people, key individuals in your life uh, as, oh. you, as you've gone through ministry? Yeah. Most of them, you know, yeah. Phil Nelson, you know, uh, Phil, I always blame Phil. I introduced him one time. I said, this is the guy who took me from a six-figure income. <laughs> He's looking at me and says, it's all your fault because I was hung around you. And that's what got me into ministry. <laughs> you know, that big income I was making in the IT world and stuff like that. Went, and so now here I am. He says, well, I'm, he says, you're welcome. I said, thank you. The best <laughs> thing I ever did, you know. Um, but Phil has also been a great influence from the standpoint of just, being gospel focused and, and uh, that's a huge deal with Phil, mm -hmm. huge deal with Phil. It's influenced me. It's influenced me in a ministry to, to take on the theological challenges that we have, you know, with the gospel and how important it is. Uh, next one would be uh, Mark Warnock. Uh, Mark is the, it's funny gospel, Phil uh, philosophy, Dr. Warnock, you know, a Christian philosopher. When it comes to philosophy and stuff like that, uh, Mark's tops, and he has a great influence as a friend of mine. Uh, when we talk over things and we get into the the deep theological realms of philosophy and things like that, and and we've had some great discussions and stuff. He says he always tells me he says it's great with you because you can bring it down to where it's just you know four or five things that anybody could understand as opposed to way out in the in somewhere else and. That's one of the beauties of us talking and everything else like that. And just, you know, just a good friend. Appreciate him. And then lastly is Travis Peterson. Uh, Trav and I talk, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis. And Mark's about every other month or so. And Phil, you know, whenever I see Phil at Super Summer. But uh, Travis and I have, uh, we did a church plant together. We have done all kinds of different things together. Uh, we were here on staff together for a while. Um, when it comes to theology, uh, he's the guy I would chat with, you know, about that. So I have the uh, the gospel, the philosophical, and the theological for my three friends that are, for you know, that I would count as my my main mentors for who the heck I, you know God has made me to be. Yeah, all those individuals have made an impact on my life too. Hope hope I get a chance to have them on here. <laughs> well, that would be awesome. I yeah. would think you know it, any of them would be glad to do that, Tim. Probably, yeah, I probably you know, so. I haven't yeah. reached out yet, so I, I, I don't want to commit them, but uh, yeah, yeah, let me know. I'll gladly shame them if you know you need me. I'll blackmail on all of them, so <laughs> <laughs> I know them well. Yeah, okay, there's stories I could tell. Okay. Yep, yep. Well, cool. Um, where can people find you? So, if, if this struck a chord with somebody where they're like, you know, I, I need to reach out and I need some help, uh, where can they find you to, to get some more? 
Um, uh, you've got a connection to my blog. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, I got a Facebook page, you know, just my name. Um, if you want a phone number, I'll give you that too. I don't care. <laughs> don't uh, do it on this. <laughs> I won't, you know, make a reach out uh, to you first. You've got my email. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lot of other social media other than that. Yeah. You know, that's and, smart. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I see all these guys who are spending all their time, you know, working social media. It's like, stop it. Yeah. Go work with the students. Yep. You know, I got to come up with this fancy page so they can sign up. You know what mine look like? <laughs> Name, phone number, <laughs> sign up. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's a clipboard. It says name and phone number. What's it for? It's for the fall retreat or it's for super summer. It's for, yeah. well, what's it all about? We'll have a meeting about that. Yeah. But plan on going and get signed up and, yeah. you know, 40 of them sign up. Then if they start the... bringing their friends. Can I bring my friend? Sure. Sign them up. You know, yeah. if you have the right culture, that's what happens. It's, it really isn't about how they sign up. It's that they want to sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get the culture going, that's the way it works. But all the advertising and all the spinning and all those kinds of things. And gosh, if you want to do that, feel free to do that. But it just took the time that you're doing that and, and took out a student to lunch. Yeah. They, they may actually sign up. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and you they know? might bring a friend. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You know, you never know what God will do with that. But I know what God will do with you is you'll begin to see the priorities that are important. And it's easy for us. I'm an introvert. Okay. So it's easy for me to sit somewhere and go, you know, hey, this is great. But I do that so I could be there because of what God has called me to do. And, uh, you know, it's a bit constricting right now with some health issues that I have to get through. That's going to take months to get through. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I got things I want to do. And, you know, you got to stop and that's okay. I'll, God will find something else for me to do while I'm doing this. Yeah. I'll hey, figure it out. Uh, feel free to pray for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll be praying for you for sure. Yeah, uh, for and sure. as you're listening to this, uh, we're not going to go into the dynamics, but be praying for Lonnie through this, especially the next couple of months. So yeah, I know he'd appreciate it as well. Amen. Amen. Anything else you'd like to add? to our time here no i put you some documents you've got there yep. that uh, feel free to share um some of the philosophy one i wrote the uh the, the student guide one you know i kind of have to do student ministry and stuff is a compilation of things that i had permission from um from various parts pieces parts some of it i've written some of it uh i've just incorporated from other other things you know mm -hmm. so they're glad to give them out. The The blog will get you through some videos, you know, if you can stand them. They're not very professional, but, you know, doesn't much matter. It was just yeah. kind of give you an idea of, you, know, you can have fun doing all this. Yeah. You really can. You can have a great time, have deep theological con conversations, and and God saves people, and you can have a lot of fun doing it. And I'm, when I talk about fun, not manufacturing fun with games and things like that. I'm not a gamer. I don't play games at student student ministry, um, but we can have fun by learning to think and learning to be uh, God's people. We just can, you know. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lonnie. I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being a blessing to my life, and I I know this is going to be a blessing to whoever would listen to it. Appreciate you, friend. You've been a, you've been a good friend, and I appreciate that so much. All right, thanks, man. Blessings. I hope in, in that roughly an hour, you were impacted as much as uh, Lonnie has impacted me over years and years. Uh, there's so much wisdom in, in the very short amount of time we got to hear from him, but I hope that you were writing some notes down, you were taking some things with you. Um, there was a lot there. He's, he's an incredible man of God. He's an incredible leader. He is passionate about being a shepherd. If you couldn't hear that, he wants to be a shepherd, specifically of students. But hey, he'll shepherd anybody uh, that needs a shepherd. Uh, he'll just he'll pour into their lives. I hope you can even tell. Like he got very vulnerable, transparent, honest. Uh, like he pulled the veil back even on his life and his failures and mistakes. Like it's okay 
to do those things. When you when you have friends around you and you have people that you know are in your corner, it's it becomes very easy to do some of those things. Just go, yeah, I, I failed. I made a mistake. Don't make the same one. Learn from my my failures. <clears throat> so grateful for Lonnie. Now he did mention uh, in there uh, his his uh, philosophy of youth ministry, which is a blog. And he gave me a document as well. I will get those on our social media. So you might be able to find them in the description, at least the link to get to different places. Uh, but also I will try to pin those things to the top of our Facebook page. I'll try to get it out onto the uh, Instagram. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube description, and hopefully anywhere you're listening to this podcast in the description, you can find those links if you want to uh, get to those places and just learn more from Lonnie. Feel free. If you're on Facebook, he is there. Uh, feel free to look him up. Uh, he will respond to you. He'll connect with you. If you're hungry, if you want to learn, if you want to be discipled, if you want to be mentored, he has time for you. Uh, he's retired now. He's looking for ways to pour into people's lives. So take that opportunity and do that. Now, as we move forward, uh, we've got several interviews coming up, several different things that I'm just going to do to try to teach some things that I've learned. Be looking for those. Uh, pay attention to those. But if you do me a massive, massive favor, if you would like, subscribe, comment on the videos, give me reviews on the podcast, all of that gets the word out and kind of be, it helps. So you want to be in ministry, become a little bit more visible. And if you're being impacted by this and you're like, man, more people need to listen to this. Uh, that is one simple way that you can get the word out and just say, pay attention to this because uh, God's doing something with this little podcast. And, and that's what I hope. I hope, I, I don't know how big this can get, but I hope no matter how big it gets, we are faithful to keep doing exactly what God uh, has called us to do here. And that's help you get to your finish line, whatever that looks like. I hope you're leaving today feeling a little bit more educated, uh, feel, feeling a little bit more equipped and definitely feeling encouraged. I will see you next time. Thanks for checking us out.